And let's be clear, we exist only as a Great Commission people. We exist in order that sinners will hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe and be saved from all the nations. The marching orders of the Church of Jesus Christ were to go into all the world and preach the gospel because the gospel has the power unto salvation. This is what it means to follow Christ. A call to live, a call to die, a call to spend your life for Jesus here and around the world until he returns. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. And over the last few episodes, we've been highlighting particular missionaries in church history who have made a tremendous impact for the kingdom of God. We've talked about individuals like Lottie Moon, Jim Elliott, and Samuel Zwimmer. Today, we're going to talk about the life and the impact of pastor and missionary George Lyle. Uh, George Lyle was an African-American emancipated slave that went to Jamaica from the United States in 1782, making him the first ever Baptist missionary from the United States to take the gospel overseas. Joining me to talk about George Lyle today on this topic is my friend, Pastor Nate Bishop. Nathaniel Nate Bishop serves as lead pastor of Forest Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Born and raised in Inkster, Michigan, he received his undergraduate degree from Eastern Michigan University and is also a graduate of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Nate has served in various ministry capacities for the last 20 years and has a passion for seeing the gospel restore broken homes and broken lives. He's married to his wife, Darisha. They've been married for 15 years, and they have four children and two nieces. Nate, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Paul. All right. I want to start at the beginning with just kind of an overview. Who was George Lyle? Yeah, and absolutely. I'm no certified expert in George Lyle in that field, but through research, through reading, George Lyle is credited with being the first Black Baptist in Georgia. But not only that, through his evangelism efforts and his discipleship, uh, he is credited with uh, planting some of the first Black Baptist churches in America. And then he goes on after the Civil War to plant churches in Jamaica. You know, it's a story behind that. But so eventually he, he pretty much becomes the first Baptist missionary in American history. So that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm going to fill in some of those gaps that you mentioned there, but you hit kind of the the main highlights. I mean, essentially, he was born, as far as we know, some of the history can be a little bit fuzzy, but he was born into a slave family in, in 1750 in Virginia, eventually comes to faith in Christ, makes his way down to the South. Before he, he heads down South, he's actually given freedom by his, his slave owner. So he heads down towards kind of the, the Georgia-South Carolina border, ends up kind of in the, the Savannah area where he would continue preaching and ministering to the African-American community there. Eventually, after the Revolutionary War, his former slave owner's kids try to get him back as a slave, and he's able to resist by presenting some free papers. But in 1782, Lyle, his wife Hannah, and their four kids set sail for Jamaica. Initially, he works there in Jamaica for a British colonel for two years or so, and then eventually he's given another certificate of freedom. But his passion for the slaves of Jamaica begins to, to grow. And eventually he starts a really small church, 
He undergoes some persecution. Eventually, this small church grows to 350 members. So God's blessing his ministry, mm-hmm. blessing his, his work there. And by 1814, history tells us there's around 8,000 Baptists in Jamaica, most of them being black slaves or former slaves. And then after a, a life of, of hardship and suffering while he was in Jamaica, he was thrown in prison and other things. In 1828, George Lyle dies, but an amazing story, an amazing legacy of faithfulness. I tell my students in class that oftentimes people refer to William Carey as the father of the modern missions movement, but William Carey didn't get on the boat in England to go to India until 1792. And Lyle went in 1782. So I tell my students it would be more appropriate for us to speak of the father's of the modern missions movement and talking about George Lyle and and William Carey. Obviously, Carey is known for his his 40 years of service in India and many adopting his strategy, but Lyle was a decade ahead of him. And so I think we need to make sure that we give honor where honor is due in that sense. All right. So yeah, absolutely. Nate, why is it significant to you or is it significant to you that Lyle is known as the first Baptist missionary from North America? I mean, we live in a time where Influence happens a lot from what you see or who you see and and just the idea of, hey, that could be me too. And when we think about missions, especially in the African-American community, the African-American context, thinking about those who went ahead of us as missionaries, you know, you think about the lot carries and you think about some of those guys, but to actually hear about George Lyle and that whether it was because of circumstance, whether it was because of his intentionality, But what we do know that he was fulfilling that great commission to go, ye therefore make disciples as you go. And his life situation had him as you go as an indentured servant to Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So that that whole story is is really inspiring. Not only his adversity, not only the history of America, really, he had everything going against him Mm -hmm. and he had every reason to really take a step back from being so bold in his witness. And he had every reason not to be so verbal and vocal, but yet, despite all the barriers, despite all the hindrances, he still was motivated by the gospel so much and knew people's souls needed to be rescued. So he was so passionate that in spite of in spite of the odds, the Lord used him mightily to plant churches. I mean, he could have served with Nam and IMB, right? Because he was part <laughs> of a church, he was part church planner. He could have wrote a book on discipleship, the number of men who came out of his ministry to go on to pastor and plant churches, Nova Scotia, Sierra Leone, you know, thinking about David George, thinking about a uh, Andrew Bryan who, who pastored. So his story, to think about the perseverance and how an ordinary enslaved person, mm. the bottom of society, could take part in the kingdom business of God. Hmm. Amen. Yeah, I think that's a that's a testimony to the Lord's grace and the Lord's work in his life. I think I think I like the way you kind of lay that out there. I mean, if anyone has the odds stacked against them, if anyone is trying to fly under the radar, no one would blame George Lyle for trying to fly under the radar, you know, for him to say, hey, you know what? Exactly. I got my freedom. I'm just going to kind of retreat to my corner. I'm going to be quiet. I don't want to raise any concerns. I don't want to raise any flags. But he said, no, the, the gospel compels me to speak. 
the gospel compels me to share the good news and I'm not going to be silent. I'm not going to be quiet. And so the story is, it's not a cookie cutter story. And we don't even know the half of the difficulty that he faced, but we know the courage, we know the legacy, we know the heritage. And so we praise God for, for George Lyle. I want to ask another question, Nate, like, why do you feel like more African-Americans maybe don't know his story? I know this is something that in recent years, we've been kind of highlighting George Lyle more, but why is it that maybe more people don't know about him or are not aware of him? Right. So myself, it wasn't until I was around 40 years old until I even first heard the story or first came across the name George Lyle. The truth of the matter is, especially in America, we can go from kindergarten to graduate degree and never read a book or something authored by an African-American or any type of ethnic minority. And a lot of those stories are overlooked by the majority. A lot of that does fly under the radar. But what I love about God is he has a way of bringing to the surface the exact story you need when you need it. And for me personally, coming out of seminary, heading into ministry full time, the name George Lyle was one that certainly I held on to, gave me a lot of pride. Uh, as a matter of fact, here at Forest Baptist Church, we're celebrating our 156th church anniversary this year, a church founded in the home as a former enslaved woman. I purposely had like a wall of heroes. You know, George Lyle was, was that first hero on the wall that wanted our children's. I put that on our children's ministry side because I wanted them to see someone who looked just like them that was able to take the gospel to the nations, right? In spite of adversity. And then Lot Carey right next to him. And then, you know, Frederick Douglass and, and then Phyllis Wheatley, just these faithful Christian heroes that aren't talked about too often, but that, that was something I wanted to get in front of them. Mm, that's awesome. Reaching a specific people group with the gospel demands specialized training and a global vision. Southern Seminary supports these ministry goals through theological education that is trusted for truth. A degree in missiology from Southern Seminary provides students with the biblical foundation and theological training necessary to take the gospel into all the world. The program prepares graduates to serve as missionaries, church planters, and ministry leaders anywhere in the world. To learn more about Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and doctoral degrees available through the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary, go to sbts.edu bgs or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click the link to the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. There you'll learn how listeners to this podcast can save $40 when applying for classes. The web address again is sbts.edu bgs. Nate, you serve as a trustee with the International Mission Board. That, that's encouraging to me on a number of levels. And I know you have a, a heart and a passion for not only your own community, obviously you're there pastoring locally here in, in Louisville, but you've got a heart and passion for international missions as, as well. I want to kind of shift the conversation to that. What are some barriers to African-Americans going with the IMB and, and other mission organizations? We'll talk more about maybe potential solutions and kind of how do we get more on the field. But I want to start back with maybe kind of the current problem. What are some of the barriers that are keeping African-Americans from serving with IMB and other mission organizations? Yeah, great question. It's one of those questions that is is so multi-layered that if you hear anyone who say, hey, well, it's just it's just this one thing. It's like, no, you're missing it because it's so multi-layered. You have a history of economic inequality 
within the African-American community compared to the majority culture. So even to consider the resources to be sent and to go originally, that's definitely a, a barrier. But then one of the unique things about the, the racialized culture here in America is there's so many pressing matters right in front of me. It's hard for me to think about the nation's as well. It's hard for me to look past my street. It's hard for me to look past my neighborhood and my school because there's so much need right in front of me. So I would say that's a really big barrier. But then also within many churches, having that individual, having that George Lyle image in front of you, in front of the children to say, hey, and this could be you too. That hasn't been there for a while as well. So again, it's multi-layered, multifaceted, But those are just a a few of the things I think about a whole lot when I'm trying to engage people to consider missions both domestically and internationally. Yeah, that's good. That's really helpful. I want to shift now maybe to kind of some potential solutions, ways that we can maybe raise awareness, provide people with more exposure to mission opportunities. How do we get more African-Americans let's just keep it in our world, in our context as Southern Baptists. How do we get more African-Americans on on the field with the IMB? I, I think the IMB is doing a great job with the George Lyle scholarship campaign. And in February, the emphasis on George Lyle missions and having the videos, having the resources readily available to get to churches so they can put it on the screen. They can have their the children do workbooks and coloring books with George Lyle. So one is just getting the the name recognition out there for churches and the resources available to them. That's one aspect. Another aspect is definitely coming alongside African-American churches, not with a, if you build it, they will come mentality, but more of, we need to be really relational. We need to, we need Mm -hmm. to be thinking outside of the box because there are multiple Americas, depending on your cultural background, your ethnic background, we could paint with a broad brush the methodology or the way to get people to the field where we're going to have to think outside of the box on how Mm -hmm. to engage people. What does it look like to really hold hands with someone, not even waiting for them to come to the website, to click the apply button, but to really come into people's homes? In a sense, I, I think about it almost like a recruiter, right, for some type of athletic team where you have people who are going in and sitting with mom and dad and grandma and saying, your son, your daughter, we believe the Lord is calling them to the field. Now, what do we have to do to get them there? What questions do we need to answer? I mm-hmm. really think it's going to take that level of engagement to raise up a new generation. But then also we do have to work, continue. We have to continue to work on that stigma of within the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. Why are we even talking about this? The Southern Baptist Convention, we, we know the history behind that. So mm-hmm. we would definitely need to continue to work on that stigma to say, hey, the Lord has taken something that was so broken, redeemed it, and is now using it to engage souls across the entire globe. And and you should be a part of it too. Mm. Those are just a few of the things that I've thought about. Yeah, that's awesome. I praise the Lord for that. You're a pastor. Uh, You're shepherding a congregation. So I I would love this this next question. You know, let's just assume you're talking to your, your church, Forest Baptist Church, but maybe Maybe let's just kind of imagine that you get a microphone that could speak into 500 African-American churches on a Sunday. And, and you got a captive audience. 
And as a trustee of the IMB, as a pastor who's passionate about international missions, you get an opportunity to make an appeal to the African-American church, why they should be more involved in international missions. What would you say? I would remind everyone the we-ness of the call. The Great Commission is a call to we, we as Christians. So not just a particular segment, not just a particular ethnic group, but as Christians, that call is for all of us to go ye therefore and make disciples. So making sure it's not just you, I, but it's, it's we, but then also saying, hey, as, as African-American Christians, you know what, we want to be obedient to the Great Commission as well. That is a call for everyone to go and make disciples. But I think that message has to go forth and not an either or, but a both and. Because one of the questions I get is like, why should we go overseas when there's so much work to be done here? And the, and the answer is yes. Yes, there's so much work to be done here on the ground domestically. But yes, there's so much work to be done internationally as well. And instead of seeing it as either or, you know what? God has so graciously given us the opportunity to do both. So let's do both. Your gift may be here, but someone else may feel a call to the mission field across the sea. So that would be the call. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, I think I like the way you put that. You know, I think when people ask that question, I've, I've had people ask me the same question, you know, why do we need to go there when there's so much need here? And I say, look, I'm not telling everybody from here to go there. I think 95% of us are going to stay right here, but there's 5% of us or more, maybe 10% of us that the Lord is setting aside. You know, you think about a, a passage like Acts 13, it's Paul and Barnabas at the church at Antioch. It wasn't the entire church at Antioch. The Holy Spirit said, set aside for me, Paul and Barnabas, just those right. two to go and take the gospel on these missionary journeys. The rest of the church at Antioch stayed right there. And so I appreciate you laying out that appeal there. I want to shift gears to kind of some more kind of quick hitting kind of questions. When you think about the story of, of George Lyle, we just talked through some of that. How do you think that should inspire the church today? And you already touched on some of this, but maybe kind of underscore some of the things maybe that you've already even mentioned. To not only recognize the adversity of challenges that he faced, but now as the church, what can I do? What can we do? What can evangelicals do? What can Southern Baptists do to remove any type of adversity of challenges to someone wanting to get to the field, whether it's seeing themselves as someone who could go, seeing those negative stigmas surrounding evangelicalism? What is it that we could do to remove those hurdles and those barriers? I believe that should be the question. So instead of seeing it as the norm is you have to overcome all of these obstacles where the norm is, you know what? Those barriers have been removed. And now we all have the privilege to be able to go just like anyone else. Mm, amen. This next question is kind of a fill in the blank question. You can fill it in however you'd like. The best thing about George Lyle's life and ministry was blank. His DG model, his discipleship <laughs> group model, that pure life on life. I, it's like, I can really see it when he, when he transitions from South Carolina to Savannah, Georgia, because of the Revolutionary War coming and making sure not wanting to be re-enslaved. I mean, think about it. a whole church picks up and goes together. And not only do they pick up and go together. So just on a practical level, you got to help somebody clean out their shed. You got to help someone pack their stuff. And I'm sure they weren't just doing it individually, but they were doing it together. So that life on life discipleship group model, and then they go and they get in the trenches together. So it's easy to say, hey, you know, let's meet Friday mornings at 8 a.m. for an hour. 
But it's another thing to say, not only will we meet, but then we're going to go and we're going to do something together. And it's usually from being in the trenches where the Lord just does something marvelous for each other's hearts that motivates them to more ministry and to Mm. multiply. Mm. That's good. George Lyle, I mentioned, died in in 1828. So we're we're getting close to 200 years since he died. I mean, there's just there's been a lot of time that's passed. But I would love for you just kind of last question here. If Lyle were here with us today. How would he challenge us? How might he encourage us? Looking at his life, I think his life says no excuses for going, but for the gospel. No excuses. If you're going to go, you got to go hard. That's what I'm thinking. Every aspect of his life, it seems that he really went hard for the gospel. And it was evident in the fruit that he he bore in his life and the number of lives that he touched. Mm. Nate, thank you so much for your time and for the conversation today. Hey, thank you for having me. And I pray the Lord will just continue to do great things through you in the ministry. Amen. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website www.sbts.edu slash bgs where you can subscribe to the show and learn more also if you have found these conversations helpful please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast be sure to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter for more this is amazon to the himalayas podcast